filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I went to South Carolina this year for Thanksgiving, for Christmas rather, because uh, that's where my sister and her husband live and their new uh, three-month-old son, my nephew. And I love all of them, and we had a great time. I cooked a giant prime rib roast on the grill uh, that was loved by everyone because it was delicious. You did but, you did show us this, and you didn't offer us any, and I'm frankly kind of upset at you for that. Well, I was in South Carolina, and that's, I think that's you fine. were in Texas, so <laughs> that, that would have been a long way to take uh, prime rib. I would have done it for you. Okay. Next year. <laughs> next year. But the only complaint I have, and I love my brother-in-law, but my complaint is, complaint is in his choice of beer. The only beer offering in his house, and really the only alcohol offering, because my parents brought a little bit of wine, but they drank all of that themselves because they love wine. So the only other offering there was a 24-pack of Stella Artois. And... One Stella for me is fine. It's not the best in the world, but I can drink a Stella. I can drink two Stellas, but I was there for five days and only having Stella around Christmas time when all the stores are closed. So there's nothing else to buy. I I, I never want to drink a Stella ever again, ever, ever, Jason, ever. Uh, I had a Stella on this show once and you got very upset with me as if I had ruined the show. Um, Yeah. And I, I've ruined probably my mouth seemed, because of this. <laughs> which seemed like an overreaction to me. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe after five days of it, I'd also feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, well, as our listeners have probably figured out, goat, goat, welcome, goat. This is <laughs> Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, okay. Adam has been uh, sent on assignment to somewhere else. Uh, Indiana, we have, I think. Yes. Uh, I was just going to say somewhere else and leave it. Um, I think Indiana is not actually where he went. It doesn't matter. He's not here. Uh, we have substituted out Adam for Donald Wine, who writes for us. He writes for Stars and Stripes FC. Uh, Donald, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it was uh, a nice thanks. Or not? See, you got me saying Thanksgiving, Ben. <laughs> right, we're already off to a great start. This is why Adam should be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what this is what everyone gets. Uh, Adam decided it was more important to go be with his family. So now uh, this podcast, the most important thing, is off the rails. <laughs> Look, it, it was a great Christmas. Uh, enjoyed it with my family, and I'm already back to work, which is really the – this is the worst week of the year to work. Like I still don't go down. back to work until next year. Yeah, uh, everyone says that. And you're like, ah, see you next year. And I'm like, nope, still at work. <laughs> that, I always make those dad jokes because I love yeah. those dad jokes. And I work for a university, and so we always get – like two weeks off at this time of year. Look, my favorite dad joke is uh, all my family lives in Texas, my immediate family, except for me. Uh, so they're on central time and I get to be the one that gets to experience the new year an hour before. And I text them stuff like, Hey, 
this year sucks. Turn around, go back or, or in, in all this kind of stuff or greetings from next year. Uh, I get to do all those uh, text messages on New Year's Eve, which is good job. Uh, easily the easily the, the greatest hour of texting in the world. It's as, it, as good as it gets, probably uh, 2019. I'm sure it will be a hellscape outside of that one hour um, because that's the one hour that it'll, it'll be innocent and pure. Uh, the mm-hmm. bad jokes. Will uh, it probably won't be. It'll probably still suck. Yeah, um, but they won't maybe. believe you. <laughs> That's um, the point. Yeah, it, people's people still have their belief that maybe things will be different, but it won't. Um, and now, on that extraordinarily gloomy note, uh, <laughs> we have a lot actually to cover tonight. We have uh, multiple. Well, we have a player acquisition. We have a trade. We have uh, national team stuff. We have like a th- over a third of the team's worth of Goder Fox. So we're going to go uh, as fast as we can, which is to say, I'm really hoping we don't come in at like three hours long. On Probably that only note, an hour 45. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only only coming in at 170 minutes. Um, so I guess we should get to it. Uh, Donald, you're the guest. You know how it goes. What are you drinking? Uh, so tonight I am. Uh, my offering is uh, a high west. American Prairie Bourbon, uh, straight out of Parsi, Utah. Um, I was able to go visit the brew or the distillery um, back in July. Uh, would go into Montana for a wedding, so uh, decided to bust this out for a special occasion. And you guys are special, so here you go. Nice. I've heard I've heard good things about this bourbon. I haven't had it myself, but I think uh, one of my college friends has had a couple bottles, and he he bought a second one, which is usually a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of these days I'm going to have to go over to his house and, uh, and give it a try rather than just end up with whatever I get handed. Yeah, no, it's it pretty good. I've had it previously and it is good. Nice. Uh, Ben, what are you drinking? Uh, Sierra, uh, I'm drinking still Artois. <laughs> no, of course I'm not drinking still Artois. I am drinking, um, bourbon because I missed bourbon uh, and just having it with some Dr. Pepper because my local convenience store was out of any and all Coke products. And so diet Dr. Pepper is what there was. And I liked that diet Dr. Pepper, but I was just hoping for a little uh, Coke zero, uh, a, a little aside. Uh, we uh, driving back from South Carolina today. We stopped at a uh, Jack in the box and they had one of those, uh, Coke machines that mixes all of the flavors with the digital mm-hmm. display. So I got uh I got uh Coke Z- vanilla Coke Zero this afternoon and it was delightful because Coke Zero is my favorite and vanilla Coke is my favorite. I always, always love those machines. I always thought vanilla Coke when it first came out tasted sort of like uh bourbon in and of itself. Like it didn't really taste like a traditional vanilla Coke from like a soda fountain. It tasted kind of like someone had removed the alcohol from bourbon. Um, I, I was too young is, to know what bourbon tasted like when vanilla Coke first came out. Uh, I don't know when it came out either. It was definitely I when I was have, in high school. I must have known what bourbon tasted like at the time. So you somewhere in there. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I was trying to have a good time. Um, I will say uh, Adam left us a note before no, the show. Let's not, let's not indulge him. Well, hold on, hold on. I think I've got a way that we can indulge Adam, but also make him wish we hadn't. Um, <laughs> Adam is uh, drinking Arbeg Islay single malt scotch. 
which I've done some research here, and it turns out this is the number one scotch uh, for goat lovers in the world. So uh, Adam is showing his true colors. Um, he's drinking a drink entirely designed to honor goats, uh, and that's that's pretty cool of him to do that. Uh, he plays his part on this show that he doesn't enjoy goats, but, but you know, we, we know the truth. Um, I, uh, was going to make it, uh, for at least the people that are on the show, I was going to make it uh three out of three on bourbon, but at the last second, I changed my mind. Uh, I'm having some, uh, Osakalis, uh, American brandy. Um, just, uh, not having bourbon and, and not having mezcal. That's right. Uh, I, I actually, I do have the ingredients. I've been working on some, um, tequila and or mezcal and grapefruit uh combinations but uh i didn't have time to do that so this is what i've got uh but uh, you know pretty soon it'll be back to back to normal um but still this is a good brandy i'm about to run out so i'm probably gonna have to go buy some more which means i have to remember where i got this bottle because i bought it a little while ago um actually now i think about it i didn't buy it someone bought it for me so that's gonna make it harder um, let's get, let's get into this, uh, long list of, uh, tasks that we have to tackle tonight. Um, going way back, it's going to feel like this was an age ago, but it was actually just last week. Uh, Greg Berhalter's first January camp roster came out. Uh, good news for DC United. Uh, Russell Canals finally received the call up that he long since deserved. Uh, Paul Ariola is back with the national team. Bill Hamid is not with the, the national team. Which, uh, guys, I think uh, I think that's fairly upsetting. Okay, like, oh, I first of all, shout out to Russell Knauss. He was last called up uh, the last January camp. He was in the eighteen uh, for the game against uh, ba- uh, is it Bosnia? Bosnia. Um, I, I get the Bosnia game and the Serbia game mixed up. We played Bosnia, um, but he did not fe- appear in the game. Um, so this will hopefully be a shot that he gets to play there's two games this year they play against panama and costa rica uh, so hopefully he has an opportunity to play in one or both of those games it'd be good to see him on the field um in, in that red white and blue now bill hamid not being here like i have questions i have a lot of <laughs> questions <laughs> I, i'm gonna start with how how is he not on this team <laughs> yeah i i thought it's not to either i i mean when when you look at the players that were called in, you know, I mean, um, Sean Johnson is obviously better than Bill Meade. Oh, right. Away. Um, we, Yo, we you can't a, even you can't even joke about that. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> we so, have so years of evidence that Sean Johnson is not better than Bill Meade. Um, Alex Bono got called in after having an awful season with TFC. Um, I like him. His projection overall, his, his uh potential as a player is very high, but in 2018, Alex Bono for Toronto FC was God awful, like bottom five in MLS among uh, all goalkeepers. Um, he was a mess this year. Um, Tyler Miller uh, also got called up. He was with LAFC. He did fine, but I think there's a lack of high level uh, talent there. I think he's just a solid MLS goalkeeper, nothing more, nothing less. And yet, Bill Hamid can't get a call in ahead of those guys. Uh, what's I happening mean, here? Obviously, Zach Steffen is legit, and that that's a fine call up since he got mm-hmm. signed to Man City. Yes, yes, Man City? yes. yeah. So that, that that's fine, and he's he's really good, and that's fine. But the, the rest are what basically not th- well. 
the lower half of MLS. I, I wouldn't call them the dregs of MLS because Tim Howard is the dregs of MLS, but they're still not good. Ben, and I, Ben, come on. Gold does not rust. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I guess, or I, I, it, from a from a play on the field standpoint, I just don't understand it. It it makes me think that for some reason, because Hamid went to Denmark and then came back, people want to see more from him over more of a season, perhaps. But that's not how goalkeepers or soccer players work. He he was really good for the three months before this camp, so he should get called in. Because if these are the people you're calling in we got a problem on this team, especially if you're calling in MLS players only it's, this isn't good. Right. It it, Uh, look like we have look. So the first half of 2018, he appeared, uh, he was in January camp. He, he played a half there. He didn't allow a goal. He played, uh, I want to say he played against, uh, uh, Bolivia. Um, one half didn't allow a goal. Goes to Ireland, obviously was rusty. He hadn't played for anybody in like several months prior and loses. We lose 2 1 to Ireland. He gives up a goal late and has not been called in since. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, this happened, you know, his only two losses for the national team have been, have both been against Ireland. The first one back in 2014 was obviously a rough go, but it wasn't rough enough that he shouldn't have not seen the field for four years. Uh, in the national team uniform. And then you have another loss and he hasn't even sniffed. He hasn't been getting called up. And I, I don't understand why that like that one game against Ireland, which was, I mean, he had a rough game, but it wasn't his roughest game. It wasn't anyone's roughest game, how he won't get called in where over the course of this year, like we have had some terrible performances as a squad. Uh, and, and Sean Johnson has had more terrible performances than those. Yes. And, and I'm just talking national team. I'm not even talking MLS. Like he was one of the top, one of the top, you know, four or five goalkeepers in MLS all over the course of a year and only played three months. And that alone should have been enough to get him into camp. And really, honestly, when we're talking about the U S men's national team goalkeeper pool in, in a depth chart, you're talking about three guys. You're talking about Zach Steffen, Bill Hamid and Ethan Horvath. And, you know, eventually those three should get into a camp and leave everyone else at home and let's see who emerges as the as the clear favorite. But when you're calling in just MLS players, there is no reason why Zach Steffen should get shouldn't get one game and Bill Hamid shouldn't get should get the other. And there's no reason why he wasn't called in to this camp. Now they're supposed to be adding one more player, but they said uh Burhalter said it's gonna be a winger uh mm-hmm. or a central midfielder. Um, but really it should be Bill Hamid because Bill Hamid is the one that deserves to be there. Yeah. I actually saw a graphic earlier today uh, from Elliot McKinley, who writes for um, massive report and has been doing um, basic data of his stuff for soccer for a while. If you, he's at um, at ET McKinley on Twitter. Um, he posted something today. It wasn't about Hamid at all. It was, it was about Joe Bendick, but the graph is very useful because the, the first graph has a bunch of goalkeeper names. And if you 
it has also a handy thing on it explaining what is good and what is bad on the chart. And the goalkeepers that are in the good the, or the best of the good range are Stefan Fry, Tim Melia, Bill Hamid, and Luis Robles. And they're kind of separate from everyone else. Um, and that's, and that includes, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. And that includes Zach Stefan. That includes Alex Bono. Uh, that includes Tyler Miller. Um, and uh, that includes uh, everybody. So uh, also, Could by the way, remember Sean looking, Johnson, uh, Sean Johnson in there. Um, I didn't, his name is kind of obscured by the line, but he's, he's not bad, but he's not good. Um, also speaking of bad, uh, David Osted, this doesn't look good for David Osted. Um, we can get to that later. Um, but yeah, this is just more underlying data. This was a a chart talking about, um, uh, non-penalty expected goals for an MLS goalkeeper and the numbers point to Hamid being among the best. Um, the only thing I can think of, um, and we'll, we'll we'll end it here. The only thing I can think of is Burhalter does want his teams to be a little more uh, possession heavy. Um, at least with Columbus, he was always um, a big point of emphasis that Zach Steffen be comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, even going back before Steffen arrived, uh, Steve Clark infamously had a ball tackled off of his feet at the start of MLS Cup, but it was because that philosophy was there that being able to pass is very important to Burhalter from his goalkeeper. Um, I don't think that Johnson or Miller or Bono are particularly better than Hamid with the ball at their feet, so much so that you would give up what you're giving up on the goalkeeping side. But, I mean, I'm otherwise at a loss trying to think of what um, what Burhalter is going for. Um but anyway, I, I think the whole thing, you know, Canals coming in, that's awesome. Ariola has deserved a recall. Um, I think maybe more blame uh, for – he was one of those guys that um, because he was on the field in Kuva, it's sort of like, well, you you were part of this too. And, you know, he only played 45 minutes and no one passed him the ball in that game. Right. It's kind of hard to put that loss, um, <laughs> that loss on him as much as anyone. But it's good that he's back in. Um, I guess we're in a – two out of three ain't bad kind of situation with the national team right now. I, I wonder just to close it off. I wonder mm-hmm. if, if Paul Ariola gets time at right back in national team camp, since it seems like as of right now, Donald. he might be what are you doing? <laughs> starting right back. Uh, this is the torture that Ben is going to be going through for some time. <laughs> this entire year, like, probably. Uh, I, I'm it, excited it could myself be, yeah. to it, but I, I don't have to be happy about it. Yeah, yeah, you're not denying that it's going to happen. Um, no, it's going to happen, unfortunately, but I'm still not right. going to be happy about it. Um, moving on, we'll stick with we'll stick with goalkeeping for a little bit longer. Um, DC made their first offseason acquisition. Maybe not the headline grabbing move that uh, we'll get to in a minute. Um, as I just throw my pen at my computer, um, they traded their 29th second round draft pick, the 38th overall pick to be specific for Earl Edwards Jr. They brought him up from Orlando City. Um, uh, Freed Edwards, him, I, I prefer to say. What's that? Freed him, him from, <laughs> I prefer to say. <laughs> yeah, anyone getting out of Orlando has got to be pleased with their uh, their outcome there. I mean, an organization that is truly um, much to blend, much, much to, to make up for Ben for having to put up with um, the Oriole at right back thing. At least he gets to live in a world where Orlando city is just constantly a mess. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, yes. Edwards 
played there for four years. He only got six starts in that time. You know, it can be hard for a young goalkeeper to break through. He played um, as much as he could for Orlando City B. Uh, They did not exist this year. They were on hiatus. Um, So he didn't have that luxury. He did eventually get into the lineup during this season for for a while. Most of his career starts are actually this year. Um, But Orlando was such a mess that at a certain point, James O'Connor was like, let's change goalkeepers. And he actually uh, had been the starter for five games running into Orlando's visit to Audi Field, which uh, you might remember for some other stuff. Um, and maybe if he were in goal uh, instead of Joe Bendick, maybe Lucho Acosta's header doesn't get in. Uh, who knows? Um, but uh, I guess I'll throw it to you guys. Do you guys have any strong feelings about the situation? Uh, I mean, it, I think it means that uh, – David Ostead is on his way out. Um, but uh, and, and, I mean, if you're talking like salary wise, this is something where you have a backup keeper who's making, you know, at last year, I think he made 68 two fifty, which was less than what war made as the third goalkeeper. So um, this is obviously a cost cutting maneuver as well. Um, is he better than Ousted? I don't think so. Um, but it, it's kind of hard to say because like you said, he hasn't had much time, but uh, I think in the end, this is more of a, let's spend our money elsewhere and, and try and find someone. Maybe, maybe they find another, a third goalkeeper through the draft. And with Loudon coming into existence, you'll be able to stick that third goalkeeper. Um, and even, you know, sometimes uh, Edwards uh, down the air to kind of get the experience and, and the reps that they need to stay, stay fresh. Yeah. I, w- I was going to hope that he was going to be signed as more of a third goalkeeper, but that doesn't seem like it looks like they're going to go the way they did when they first signed Andrew Dykstra. Uh, They're signing a league backup, a a league career backup who has some potential. And then I assume they're going to either sign a homegrown player or find somebody through the draft to be the third goalkeeper. And like Donald said, I feel like Edwards can get a lot of time in Loudon. The uh, third goalkeeper is going to get a lot of time in Loudon. And that's just going to way it's going to be this year. And hopefully they can uh, find a way to sign Hamid at the end of the year from uh, Michelin. Uh, hopefully uh, as we may get to in a little bit, uh, loans are always dicey. So you never know if you're actually going to be able to sign the guy that you have on loan uh, to a permanent deal. Yeah. And you know, the, the one, the one thing I will, will add is that it might be difficult for Edwards to get too many appearances with Loudon because he will often be busy being the backup for DC. You can't be in two places at once. Um, And that's something that has happened before that's happened with a few DC players that maybe could have used some time in Richmond, but they were needed in the game day 18. And so um, you get stuck where you're on the bench and you might play, but you probably won't. And you, you know, that can be tough for development purposes, but um when you have a situation where Rooney is the designated player, Luciano Acosta hopefully will be retained or, well, we know he's going to be under contract for 2019 and his salary bumps up to designated player levels. Um, and Paul Ariola is no longer a young designated player. So that's a lot of cap space getting taken up by those three guys, which means you've got to find somewhere else to save money. And if you can go from uh, Osted's, uh around 400,000, I think it was down to, uh, Clark at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, you know, DC mm-hmm. was spending in 2018. DC's goalkeeper spending was high. Um, let's put it put it briefly. It was high. Um, so to get that down, uh, that saves a lot of cap space down to um, what Edwards was making last year. And and you know, with the uh, perfunctory small raise that MLS built into their deals, um, that's a big savings. And I think that's got to be the main, maybe the main motivation here. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. And, and, you know, if they draft a goalkeeper, then maybe that, maybe that guy actually has a shot at pushing him for the backup job. Um, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, the preseason might be interesting on that front. Um, but I guess now we need to get to the, the biggest news going on with DC United. Um, the Argentine press had it first. The, first place you saw it in English was uh, on Ryan Keeper's article on our site. Uh, so thanks to Ryan for doing the hard work on that. Um, Lucas Rodriguez, winger slash midfielder from Estudiantes de la Plata in Argentina. He's already played 50-some games. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head uh, for them in the, the Argentine top flight. He's got uh, about a dozen Copa Libertadores games under his belt. I think he's got a few Copa Sudamericana games as well. Um, the The deal's not officially done. It has not been announced, but all signs are pointing to it being probably done very soon. Uh, maybe even by the time you're listening to this, um, the reports in Argentina are citing about a $450,000 loan fee and an option to buy at $2.5 million. Um, to give you a contrast, Yamil Assad's option to buy, uh, his loan fee was higher. It was 700,000, but the option to buy was only initially reported to be 700,000 as well. So, um, Rodriguez, at least for Estudiantes' view, is a significantly higher value player to them, um, than Assad was at Villa Sarsfield. Um, apparently United actually had spotted Rodriguez back, uh, when they were scouting, uh, Lucho. So, one of these things that happens when you go scout players, it turns out you might see other guys that are good. Um, if you actually have scouts who go places. Right. Or, or, you know, if the head coach or general manager happens to travel, which I think the Acosta scouting was done by Olsen and or Casper, if, if memory serves from whenever that was, uh, it was a while ago. Um, guys, what do you think about this? I mean, we're, we're talking about a probable at this kind of price tag we're talking about somebody you would expect to be starting in the midfield we've already talked about how Ariola is probably going to be at right back um there's a there's a lot uh a lot to a lot of things happening because of this yeah i've i've posted about this in the comments a little bit but i'll i'll talk about it here um i think if you sign a guy like uh, uh like this he has to eventually start. I don't think he's going to start out the gate on day one because uh, there's always a time to get acclimated to MLS, whether it be a couple of games, whether it be a month, whether it be half a year, whatever. But I think at some point in the season, he's probably going to be starting if he's as good as the contract and his pedigree says he is. And so I think given that, I'm going to be, I'm going to just have to be okay with Ariola at right back. And I, uh, my main objections to it are, I hope Ariola is okay with it too. And it, it just seems like bad team planning because now you have a full designated player, no longer a young designated player uh, being shifted into a position that he's not 
used to playing because a fullback in a back four is a lot different than a Liga Emeki's wing back. So it, it just seems like a bad bit of team planning, but you take the players that you can find when you can find them. And this is where the team seems to be now. And that's probably the best way for the team to go forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense that it, when it comes to Areola moving uh, to pave the way for Rodriguez, it, it 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 doesn't make sense unless it makes sense for the player and, and you know, all that stuff. But uh, in the case of TT, I think I, I like this move in the sense that if if this Rooney influx of cash and Audi field and having Loudon means that we're going after uh, Argentine players from, you know, really good teams in the Argentine first division, like young players, if that's the move that we're going to do to kind of build this roster, um, I think that's a, that can only be a good thing to make those inroads. And, you know, we've seen how it's worked out with Acosta. We've seen how it's worked out with, um, with other players uh, in the league. And, and so getting a player of this caliber who, as you mentioned, Jason has started, not just played started in more than 50 Argentine first division games. That's a, and only 21 years old. That's a good thing. Um, and like you said, you just kind of get the guys you can and figure out how to, pl- how to, how to put them all in the field at once. Um, but it's, it's kind of one of those things where in the case of uh, him putting on the right, and then you have Ariel in the back it is you, you, you kind of question the team planning a little bit, but at the same time, I want to see all those guys playing. And if it means that if, if Ariel is cool, then it means that he moves the right back to get on the field and, and even have that extra option um, uh, on the attack, then I'm all for it uh, as long as it works. Yeah, it's it's thinking about what his role will be. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen him play. Um, I can't say exactly what I expect him uh, to do. It does sound like, you know, part of the reporting on this, which we'll get to in a second, is that United is probably going to get uh, a deal done with Emil Assad, so he's not going to be moved over to the left. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, Ben saying that maybe he's not a starter right away. I kind of feel like they are going to throw him in. Um, in the first few games as the starter and see if it still works. Um, you know, with all due respect to Ulysses Segura, if he's still starting, um, by mid season, then this might be a problem. Um, oh, no, I, I, I would much rather have Ariola starting up there than Segura and just find they, I mean, they, they still have to find somebody at right back, at least as a backup. So, right, which, which is a, yeah. a pretty substantial problem. Um, at this point, yep. because I feel, I feel like the, it's either this or right back. I don't know that we're necessary. Like this, this financial uh, outlay is for one or the other. Um, right. Uh, it might be that they have to go to homegrown or the draft for a right back, but they might also have to do that for a goalkeeper. So I, I don't think there is a um, homegrown in the pipeline uh, to play right back um, right now. So um, yeah. It, like, it could be a situation where it's Michael you know, Seaton. Um, I think Michael Seaton is very happy playing with uh, Orange County, uh, uh, is what I've actually heard. Um, that's not a joke. That's actually um, I've actually heard that. So that's nice. Um, uh, but yeah, he's not going to be the right back. Um, I think part of the metric we need to judge this deal by, assuming it goes through, 
is how much is it going to cost to get his MLS rights? Uh, Atlanta, um, Apparently, the the reporting is that Atlanta bought about 25% of his total contract to have dibs on him if he were sold internationally. Um, And part of that is that they would have his MLS rights. Um, I don't know. Apparently, it was a fairly substantial amount of money that they put up. So I don't know how much. I I really doubt we're going to be hearing about the MLS situation where... um, if you have a player's rights, but you don't intend to do anything with them, MLS says, okay, you have to take a small amount of general allocation money and, and be done with it. Um, I get the feeling that Atlanta is going to ask for more than that bare minimum. It's a, uh, that 50 K. Um, I mean, how much and, do we send to LA for Areola? I think it was uh, about half. Yeah, it was, it was about half a mil. Um, yeah, it might be more. Yeah, like half a mil. Big, but, um, big, go ahead. I was thinking because when they when they were talking you were talking about that like what was right of first refusal clause whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. it was for like one point seven million it was for twenty five percent of what the transfer would be right and but it also was for two windows for two transfer yes. windows and that is expired yeah. does that still come into play in the sense that I mean, they probably have their discovery rights which is whatever yeah. but um does it come into play where they're like, Hey, give us the 1.7 back because they technically have lost that because they didn't make, I think, uh, I think the way the deal worked was that Atlanta gave them the money. And, um, and this was from a report from dirty South soccer, um, a while back, but Atlanta gave them the money and said, we get dibs for two transfer windows and we get 25% of his contract, but that's it. Um, there is no, there is no uh, return fee or anything. Um, now, of course, as, as far didn't, as the didn't legal, they say, uh, I mean, isn't third party ownership? This sounds a little bit like third party ownership. And I thought that was out on the outs. Uh, there's always a way around it. Uh, there is Atlanta. Kinds, so they'll figure it out. Right. right. Um, you know, especially once you get into transfers in South America, it is the wild west. Um and so um, this is a kind of scenario where it's not really third party ownership. Um, I think as long as you're, you're talking about the main club holding the majority stake, um, it's a, it's a weird deal. This is not normal uh, at all. Um, but um, you know, if DC is having to spend, you know, a TAM, le- where I think, I think the, all the reporting on this has been a TAM level contract rather than a, they can't sign another designated player. So um, but if we start to get into spending an Areola level amount of TAM to get his rights from Atlanta, um, that's a lot of pressure, uh, for a young player to be under, um, that's at that price tag, you're getting into nearly a million dollars, just the upfront, um, loan fee and acquisition. So, um, but we don't know, you know, it could be more like a hundred thousand, it could be 200,000, um, or it could it's be an interesting, go ahead. Or it could just be somehow Dave Casper worked something like Zoltan Stieber where it was supposed to be a, a decent transfer fee. And then it ended up being a free transfer. Who knows? Yeah. I, mean, I Atlanta might, you know, they might accept that they are never going to make a move for him because they can't really. Um, I don't think they're going to design him or see him as the replacement for Miguel Almiron. So, um, they might accept that they don't have any intention of making a move and, and take something lower, but um, we'll see. I, I think 
how I feel about this is going to hinge a lot on how much that actually comes out to be. Um, not, I mean, you know, if he shows up and is awesome, then it kind of softens any sort of financial concerns I have because ultimately I don't really care how much money DC United spends. I care about uh, how yeah. they do at winning it's not games. our money. Exactly. Um, so if they figure out a way to win MLS cup on a budget, great. If they figure out a way to win it by spending like lunatics, also great. Um, but I, I guess the, the last bit of this is that it's probably a bad sign for Zoltan Stieber's time with DC United. That they are looking for another player at this position at this price price point. Yeah. Uh, I think the only way he comes back next year is if somehow they aren't able to st- sign Emil Assad. And even still, I think it's fairly obvious to all and sundry that they prefer Assad. So even if they can't sign Assad, I don't know if, Stuber would want to come back because he they he may rightly think that oh I might they, they see me as second choice why would I want to come back second or third choice why would I want to come back to this team yeah I, I think in the end um you're gonna have this kid approaching a million you'll have uh Assad if we get him his contract plus transfer and all this stuff is gonna approach a million. And then if you redo a costist contract, you're at a million there. So, uh, and then add Wayne Rooney to the mix. I don't know if there's room for a fifth um, million dollar player, or you know, in the case of Zoltan, nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars <laughs> ninety six cents. Um, so yeah, I, I think all of this points to even with like you said, even if uh, Assad doesn't, if we can't, you know, resign Assad, if we can't, if this falls through. Um, maybe if this falls through Zoltan, Zoltan comes back, but I feel like if Zoltan comes back is going to have to be at a reduced price, which is something that he's probably not going to want to take. Yeah, I, I think that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, he was on the verge of a move to the Netherlands before he came here. So it's not like there's a low demand. Um, he's a player with Hungary's national team. He's a known quantity, uh, in Germany. Um, which means he's a known quantity in multiple leagues across Europe. So um, I would imagine that if his agent were confronted with taking a pay cut to stay or not really taking a pay cut and going back to Europe, he'd probably go back to Europe. Um, So, you know, I, I, I think I kind of wish DC had found a way to incorporate him more down the stretch, but I also do think that, uh, Segura kind of pushed him out of that spot. Um, when uh, when Ariola was not available to play on the wing or when he had to fill in it right back. Um, you know, I, I will say I thought Stieber should have started the, or maybe not started, but come in at halftime uh, in the playoff game um, for Segura, who I don't, I don't think that was the right game for him. But overall, I could see Olsen's rationale in, in not starting Stieber. And I can also see why Stieber would be like, why am I not starting? Um, so it's, it's one of those classic things that happen in MLS all the time where, um, it's not like one side's being unreasonable and the other side is, is the victim here. It's like, well, you both have a good point and there's not really a good way to solve this problem. So it might just be best for you to go. Um, which would be a shame. I like, um, at really anyone that can strike a ball, uh, like Zoltan is always, I'm always going to be kind of interested in, in what else they can do. Um, and I like his game, but I also don't see where he would fit in unless the Assad thing falls through. And even then, you know, as Donald brings up, 
that's a lot of money to keep him around anyway. Uh, I guess that's it. Is there anything else we need to get to about T.T. Uh, Rodriguez or Earl Edwards or anything else? I don't think so. No, I, I, I kind of like these moves in the sense that if they, you know, we're going after a young kid, um, I like that move. And in the case of Edwards, it's, it's obviously a cost-cutting maneuver to try and hopefully I'd like to see what they do with that, you know, excess l- little money uh, that they may have with a, an Ousted flip and um, and getting Edwards as, as kind of the backup. So yeah, and 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 these moves are the the big moves so far. But the team is going to have to make through the draft and through preseason and through trades. Probably there's still a number of other moves to be made. I, well, they've got like 15, 16 players under contract right now, so they've got ten players or so to 10, 12 players to get to uh, a full roster. So this team is not done yet. There, there, there are moves to be made. No, I think I think things are going to be very busy. I, I think we are kind of coming up out of the uh, the the low period where not really much was going on. Even though it felt like a lot happened, um, I think it's going to actually get more busy as the time goes on. Because let's not forget, uh, there's an entire Loudon United roster to, to uh, fill out. There are homegrowns coming in allegedly. So, um, yeah. There's this is going to be a wild month, six weeks, uh, give or take. Um, we're probably going to see stuff happening during preseason, not just beforehand. Um, so prepare yourselves. Uh, in the meantime, we'll take a break. We have uh, to do some sponsor work so we can feed the goats, and we'll be back soon. This is filibuster. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I think this is going to set a filibuster record for longest goat or fox segment. I also, thought last the, week was the record. I, I thought mean, that was like 13. I don't think we did 13 last week. Um, I don't think we could have done 13 last week. We'd be out of players. Um, <laughs> no, we have 10 players to get through tonight. Um, and uh, we also don't have Adam to uh, complain about the title goat or fox. So that's good. 
uh, in my opinion. Wait, did uh, you say goat or fox, or did you say fox or goat? Uh, goat or fox. Uh, oh, okay. That's what I yes. thought you said. You get a goat if, if you're to stay. You get a fox if you're to leave. Um, I, I feel like it's clear. <laughs> I feel like there's nothing confusing <laughs> about that at all. Um, Adam by now has already thrown his phone or whatever the list is to podcast on out the window. Uh, he he at least knows that by missing the show he's he's opened the door to this sort these sort of shenanigans. Adam is um, probably listening to this on a Zoom. <laughs> so so he's well, we, I, those are hard to get now. You don't want to throw it at the ground in frustration, or you'll have uh, you'll have to hit up Amazon yeah. and buy one that's like partially broken. Adam, <laughs> please please don't please don't destroy your vintage Zoom. Yeah, your your steampunk powered uh, uh, MP3 player. Yeah, he's probably uh, like using a bellows to uh, charge it up right now, so that he can listen to this episode and then uh, uh, yell at us uh, through his uh, binocular glasses. I think they actually it, use actual batteries too, like right. AAA batteries. Uh, Adam, no, they definitely use D batteries. Oh, D batteries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam, if you've gotten to this point in the episode and you haven't destroyed your Zune and you're about to destroy it, uh, I will give you my broken uh, Dell DJ from like 2003 and you can try and get it running again. Um, if you do, you know, that would be awesome. Uh, you can you can listen to the show there instead. Uh, it's it's only the size of like a wallet. So that's convenient. Um, anyway, now that we've... Uh, We've we've got enough to get through. We probably shouldn't make fun of Adam any more than we're going. We've already done. Um, let's get it started. Uh, we'll begin with a player that did not play very much this year, Bruno Miranda. Uh, ben, I'm, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Are you giving Goat or Fox to the young Bolivian international? I think I'm giving him a Fox. I think that... He is one of the last emblematic players of the previous version of DC United. Uh, I think he, I mean, he was a worthy flyer to take, but it didn't seem like he worked out. And I think new DC United has the money to take, has money to, to not take flyers, has money to invest in players like Lucho Acosta, like Emil Assad, like TT Rodriguez. And, Players like Bruno Miranda are going to be more like Loudoun United players going forward. And so I think this version, he, he got caught in the middle of two versions of DC United. And it's not his fault totally, but it just sucks for him to be in that position. But I think at the end of the day, I give him a Fox. Donald? Yeah, I'm going to also give him a Fox. I agree with Ben in the sense that, uh, I mean, it seems like the the most time he got as a DC United player was with the Bolivian national team. Um, and I, I feel like if he, if he was around next year, um, he would, if he'd come in next year and we took a flyer him next year, Ben's right. He'd be in Loudon and be probably playing every week and, and getting that experience that he so desperately needed and that we kind of need on the, uh, on our, on the roster. Um, but he just, there's just no, no time to really do that now. Um, so he kind of, uh, he was a good kid, but I, I think he, I think it's a Fox. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll make this a uh, unanimous. Um, I think Miranda's chances for playing kind of diminished when, you know, if you remember back to when Alyssa Segura, who we'll get to near the end of the segment, um, when he was acquired, you know, he had played as a, a winger and as a central midfielder. 
Um, Ben Olsen said they wanted to look at him centrally first. Um, But that position, one, Segura had issues centrally, and two, that position ended up being very, very crowded for DC United um, with Canals, with Moreno, with Chris Durkin. Um, So Segura ended up on the wing, and if Bruno Miranda wasn't ahead of Segura, who might not have been ahead of Zoltan Stieber come the start of the season, who wouldn't be ahead of Rodriguez or Assad um, or Ariola if a right back were required. Um, that kind of says it all. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep international when you're that far down the depth chart. Um, I do like uh, Miranda's game. Uh, I like that he was fast. I was f- kind of curious about the um, the usage. He would play it centrally in a couple games and just sort of had a free roll, which was odd. Uh, it's not really what I would have thought of, but it wasn't necessarily bad. Um, ultimately though, the fact that he played, he was here for a year and a half and he played a total of 139 minutes, um, spread across 12 appearances. So basically a lot of short cameo rolls off the bench. Um, I think that kind of says it all. And, and there just wasn't, wasn't really a path forward for him. Um, and you know, he's kind of stuck, you know, as, as Ben said, he's kind of stuck in that space between, um, not just two eras, but also, he's too good to be spending a whole season on loan with their USL affiliate. Um, this is a guy that has caps for Bolivia that has started. Uh, I, I think he was starting in uh, the Peruvian league before he was brought up here, if memory serves. So, um, you know, this is someone that needs to be playing and he can't, there's no real path to him playing much at DC. So, you know, it's a worthwhile flyer to take, uh, but you know, a lot of times those don't work out for a reason. So, uh, I'm comfortable with Fox and it, and he's already, uh, if I'm not mistaken, signed with another club down in South America. So uh, regardless of what we think, he's gone anyway. Um, we'll move it along to Joseph Mora, who uh, was a signing late in the preseason. He actually didn't make his debut until game three uh, against the Houston Dynamo, in which um, he was involved, if not necessarily at fault on both goals. Um, it took a little while uh, for Mora to get it together. He fairly infamously got a red card against Real Salt Lake doing something extremely dumb uh, moments after, literally seconds after hey, he had done something else that was dumb that caused them to give up a goal. Um, and it was kind of, I mean, I guess if there were a doghouse or if there were room to put him in the doghouse, maybe he would have been there, but um, United didn't really have the option to drop him. So uh, he got to play his way through it. And it ended up being a good thing because down the last half of the season, he ended up being pretty solid. I I think um, Bobby Warshaw voted him as the fifth best left back in all of MLS, which I don't think is accurate. I think that's okay. too high, I mean, but his, um, his, his, his rankings were strange. I, I, I did not agree with a lot of his rankings, but just the fact that he was even anyone that observes the league and we do know that he's paying attention. So anyone that observes the league's, had him that high. I think that says something about Mora's quality as a player. Um, we'll go, uh, I'll, I'll come back to Donald for this one first. Uh, what did you think of Mora this year? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think, uh, and I think this is the case for a lot of our players, you know, when we entered Audi field, he kind of shaped up and really, you know, buckled down on, on defense. And we, we went from the guy who was making a, you know, a few mistakes and you, you couldn't really count on, uh, to do a clean game to that guy who locked down the left side uh, at times during the back half of the season, he was 
you know, at least as far as the defense was concerned, uh, you were pretty safe with him in the lineup once uh, once we started, you know, clicking in, you know, August and September and October. So uh, I'm going to give him a goat uh, and think that he should come back next year. Ben? Yeah, I'm definitely giving him a goat as well. Um, left back, well, we still probably need to develop a backup at that position. Uh, starter at that position is slightly less of a pressing need than right back is. So for that by itself, a, a goat. And his price point is pretty decent. And he's an international so yeah, bring him back. Uh, I think he can, uh, you want to see if he can continue that growth curve that he had from last season. So yeah, goat. Uh, I'm going to agree with you guys again. Um, Mora Ben mentioned the price point. We're talking about a guy that barely makes o- over a hundred thousand, uh, which for a starter in MLS in 2018 is low. Um, it's a problematic position. It's hard to get anyone that's good at left back um, in the entire league. Right. So, you know, I, there are certain positions where I don't think you should use an international if you can avoid it. Um, left back is not one of those. I think um, America in general, whether it's men's soccer, or women's soccer, we are not good at developing fullbacks. We don't, we don't get it. Um, I mean, we all and- loved Taylor. We all love Taylor Kemp, but Taylor Kemp was not, an international, he was not a, like a world beater at left back. And so when you can find anybody who's good at left back, you got to keep that person. Yeah, right. pretty much. Um, and, and, you know, Mora just broke in at the end of the season, just broke into the Costa Rica national team. He got his first couple caps as a substitute. So he's a player that is developing. He's, he's getting better with time. It may be a little bit of a late bloomer on that front since he is uh, 25. He'll turn 26 in about, two and a half weeks. Uh, so um, that's kind of unusual to see someone get their first cap uh, in Costa Rica at that age. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's earned it, I think. Um, his play as the season wore on became more and more reliable. Um, we know he's quick. Uh, he's comfortable one-on-one. He doesn't make too many mistakes uh, now that we've seen what he is when he's comfortable. Um, hopefully, this was who he is and not just a product of being at home and the team getting on a roll and having this sort of artificial confidence high. Um, hopefully this was more of a representation of what Joseph Mora actually is as a player. Um, but yeah, I, I've got no problem entering the season with him as the starter at left back. And, and um, I think my only question at left back is really who is behind him, not whether he can do the job. I think he is perfectly fine. I, I don't think he's a special left back, but you know, you're not going to have a best 11 player at every single spot on the field and he's pretty solid and reliable. So what more can you ask for? Um, speaking of uh, internationals that were just acquired this winter, uh, we're going to move on to uh, junior Moreno um, Venezuela national team um, had been in the picture for them for a little while before he came to DC United. Uh, overall, it took him a little while to get going. The early part of the season, a lot like Mora, um, usually involved. I, I've characterized it a lot as playing really well and then making one mistake that was big, um, and it's sort of overshadowing everything else. Uh, ben, what, what did you think of Moreno's year? Are you thinking uh, Goat or are you thinking of Fox here? I'm definitely thinking Goat, especially – paired with Russell Canals. I think uh, 
in the second half of the season, like many other players, he took a step up. He definitely took a step forward. Um, I think his defensive play is for the most part, really good. He's able to just break up play. He's able to uh, just shut down opposing midfielders in a way that a lot of other players can't. And when he has Russell Knauss there, he has uh, the two center backs there to help cover that one mistake that he may make per game. I think he's a really good defensive midfielder and I think he's only going to continue to get better. So, uh, especially when the team changed to that four-two-three-one, uh, that allows him to have a central midfield partner. I think that that's a really good look for this team, and I think that highlights Junior uh, Moreno's strengths in this team. So I'm definitely a a goat for him, and I want him to see him continue to start going forward. Donald, are you on the same page? Yeah, I'm on the same page. Uh, you know, Jason, I reading your review that you did on on the site. Um, the the thing that really stuck out was the fact that he only got beat on the dribble like five times all year. Um, I, I think that in the middle is something that you desperately need because in 2017, if you guys remember, we got beat down the middle all the damn time. Um, and so it was a nice sight to have, you know, one or two guys that can, you know, clog that middle up and, and really make it so that, you know, teams had to kind of go outside of their comfort zone to get, uh, any scoring chances. So um, it's a goat for me um, and really him paired with Canales or uh, I really like our, our, our the defensive part of our midfield right now with him and Canales and Durkin, um, f- you know, battling each other for playing time um, is only going to make each of them better. Um, and so I think Moreno is going to really be one of those guys we can rely on next season. And if, if you read the, um, the article that Donald's mentioning that, that I wrote, it probably comes through uh, what my answer is here. Um, I thought Moreno was very close to being a very good player in the early part of the season. And like we see so often in MLS, these guys uh, come from abroad and th- you see flashes of what they can be, but it takes a little time for them to get used to all the vagaries of MLS, which is a very, you know, I know we say it a lot, but it is a weird league though. It's, you know, if you know Moreno, for example, and Mora for that matter, um, Moreno was playing in the Venezuelan league. Venezuela is not a very big country compared to the United States. Uh, Costa Rica is a tiny country compared to the United States. So the travel is brand new to them. Uh, coming to a country where you don't speak the language uh, is very, uh, very tricky thing to do, though. I think both of them uh, have posted on, in English on social media, which is impressive to me because. Um, I'm in like year 20 of trying to get my Spanish together and I still suck. Um, you, you don't see me posting on Instagram and in, in Spanish because I would be embarrassed. Um, so, you know, they've made that effort to, um, really acclimatize themselves to the league, um, to getting used to being in this country and, and being used, being used to MLS. It's just a strange place to be for, for anyone. Um, and the fact that they, came through some tough times uh, that they developed, you know, Moreno also had competition. Mora didn't have that, you know, he pretty much left back was his until he figured it out. Um, Moreno, on the other hand, had Durkin uh, competing with him and actually for a time was on the bench behind Durkin. Um, But he eventually showed that uh, he needed to be on the field. Um, He brings a little more quickness that, that Durkin doesn't have on the dribbling on or defending on the turn, I should say. 
Um, so yeah, I'm very pleased with him. Uh, I think he and Dirk and both work really well as partners for Canals, but I think Moreno is the the better option in almost every circumstance. But I also think that's a very it's a very close uh, thing. I think um, if Moreno comes in in the preseason and isn't necessarily in the best fitness or isn't fully focused, then you could see Dirk and push him out. But I think either way, uh, it's got to be Goat. He's been a pretty good player for this team. And I think he's going to get better, um, which is nice to see. It's not a, a situation where you think, well, this is all he's ever going to get uh, or all he's ever going to be able to give. Um, I think there's still room to grow for Moreno, which is uh, a pretty cool thing. And I think um, I'll also throw in that I'm not worried about him having a bad off season. I think his reputation in Venezuela was basically like, yeah, this is a guy that is fully focused on being the best professional he can. So um the fact that that's the reputation is a, it, it points to him showing up and being ready to go, which um, on a Ben Olsen team, we've seen in the past players that have shown up in preseason that have been short of fitness. Uh, it has not gone well for them. Um, so that's not necessarily a junior Moreno thing. That's more of a thing that's coming to my mind right now. That's kind of for everybody. Um, you don't want to end up in the boat that Patrick Mullins ended up in, or several other players have ended up in over the years. Um and now that I've had uh, I, I've taken us off the rails, um, I'll bring it back on. Uh, Chris Odoyachim, he did not see a lot of time this year. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he had one appearance, I want to say. Um, I should have this up, but I changed out of that uh, spreadsheet at a stupid moment. Um, didn't play a lot, though. Um, spent a lot of time with a mysterious fatigue injury, which uh, none of us had ever seen before. I, I think there was a lot of puzzlement as to what might be the problem. It turned out he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma um, and has been dealing with that. I think his treatment course runs through into March, I want to say. Um, but uh, once he got that diagnosis, once it came out that that's what was the problem, um, he immediately said he was glad to know what the problem was and that he was focused on um fighting it, getting better, and then getting back out to being a professional player. So this is not something where he's thinking about retiring, at least outwardly. Um, It sounds like he plans to come back as soon as he can. Um, But I I will bring up uh, the existence of Loudon as a a positive for him. Uh, He just hasn't gotten a lot of time uh, in his time in MLS. And even with the openings at right back, uh, I feel like there was very little chance of him getting minutes coming into 2019 without some significant seasoning as a professional. Now that I finally opened up my uh, spreadsheet, it was one appearance. He appeared against Columbus in March at Columbus. Uh, and I believe that was a one minute cameo. So that was it for him this year. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's still a good player in there. Um, extremely fast, possibly the fastest guy on the entire team, uh, which for a fullback, it's pretty cool uh, if, if that's uh, that's how things are. Um, but yeah, I, I personally, I'll go first and say, go. Uh, I want to see him playing at Loudon um, once he's recovered. We obviously we all wish him the best. And, you know, once he's back on his feet and everything is good to go, um, I'd like to see him, you know, use some time at Loudon and then maybe use that as a springboard to really compete for for MLS minutes. Uh, ben, how about you? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think he needs time just to get playing time under his belt at uh, Loudon. I think that 
he's a natural defender, and I don't think at this point he's not a better player overall than Paul Ariola, but uh, he could prove himself to be a better defender, and especially with some time at Loudon and then some time in the first team, who knows what'll happen? Uh, I don't think it's likely that he displaces Ariola or displaces anybody else who the team might sign, but I think he has a shot at it, and th- that shot goes through him getting playing time at Loudon. Uh, remember, uh, filling into the player that he has been in the past and hopefully uh, starting to take steps forward as he recovers and improves. And I definitely want him to be able to give, to be given that shot to prove what he might be able to do in MLS. Um, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to give a goat to, and I think we all give a goat to uh, his complete and total recovery. Um, that's first and foremost. I think get him getting back healthy is is the most important thing, and I'm glad that they picked up his option um, for next year so that he can take time and focus on that. But uh, I, I also give a goat on the playing field for the reasons that you guys mentioned, and also to add to that, um, you know, if he can come back, if he beats everything and gets back to you know shape, we have Loudon that he can you know get some playing time there. Who knows? Maybe by the time you know. DC United is entering that phase where we enter us open cup um, that he would be fit enough to at least help fill out a roster for, uh, for open cup and even get some minutes there. So that's another opportunity for him uh, to uh, get back in shape and, and show the potential that he has. So, uh, and, and also really he, he has the, you know, of all the salaries, he has the, you know, the, the lowest cap hit um, of any player. So it makes sense to bring it back. All right. Uh, we will move on. This one's a little more complicated. Uh, Kofi Opare uh, had a stretch of time where he was first choice. Uh, he pushed uh, Frederick Briant to the bench for a little while there. Um, Briant was hing- injured for some of it, but even when he was healthy, Opare got a few starts instead of him. Uh, but it was still a down year for Opare. He only played looks like this is a 10. I probably should have numbers rather than trying to count cells on a spreadsheet. Um, and his season was kind of uh, hampered by an ankle injury um, that is still ongoing. He had surgery for it. Um, and now it it's unclear as to whether he's coming back or not. I think the, the last we left it was that DC would uh, – possibly circle back to him um but possibly not which is kind of not the best uh the best sign if you're in his shoes and you want to come back um it was 11 appearances not 10 i, I miscounted 10 um, starts 11 appearances 10, yeah uh how are you guys feeling about this uh donald do, did you do you want kofi back or do you think maybe he's run his course here um it's a good question i think as far as depth is concerned i i, I will give him a goat um i'd like to see more um, improvement and and here's the thing with with DC United we're I'm you know I have not been around as long as as some of you guys have I've only been around for 11 years so I don't remember the days when people were itching to play for DC United and really coming out of the work work and saying yes I want to be on that team be a part of that franchise he's one of those guys that wants to be a part of this team um, whether his performances have really shown it over the last couple of years. And like you said, it's been uh, an up and down road for him injury wise um, or health wise, I should say, 
but I, I do think that there is potential for him to be, you know, really good depth for us um, in the middle. Um, I do like that. He, I do like some of the the play that he has shown. Um, obviously, he has some stuff to work on, but I, you know, it's hard to say no to uh, uh, quality depth, um, quality MLS depth um, uh, at the center back position of which we have played musical chairs with alongside, you know, Steve Birnbaum. Um, he only makes 133 K. Uh, so I think he should be one of those guys that you consider bringing back, whether it's at one, 133 or slightly lower or slightly higher or whatever. Um, I, I think that there's room for him on this roster. Ben, where are you landing on this one? I'm very conflicted. Uh, I think the, the, I, I like Kofi Apari a lot. And I think that that cap number is really good. And so I think we will see him back, but he's had what four years here now and through injuries and through uh, uh, other times, he just hasn't been able to, to take that step to consistent starting. And I think that's a big part of it too. So if it weren't for the fact that DC United's roster uh, on the center back side is so up in the air, I'd probably give him a Fox, but I think, I think I have to give him a goat just because there's so much turmoil and he'd be a good option to come back cheaply if he wants to come back. Uh, since nobody took him in the uh, reentry draft or any of the other mechanisms. So he's, he, his offer here is probably going to be his best offer. Uh, but I think they could also, if they had more depth, I think they could do better for his position, but since they don't have more depth right now, I think he's the best option for the third or fourth center back spot. I think you just summed up everything I was trying to say in one sentence much better than I could, Ben. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I, I think I think I'm kind of in the same boat here. Um, you know, I at at the price tag we're talking about uh which is again is it's much like Moreno and Mora it's it's under $150,000 um it's hard to find a player of Opari's caliber at that price um i think on the other hand i think part of the reason maybe he didn't have people pursuing him in the reentry draft was this ankle surgery that he's undergoing which uh right. it's going to leave him out he, you know, he's going to miss the entire preseason um regardless of who he ends up playing for um but, uh, you know, I think at the price, at his age, he's 28, um, which means he's really getting into his prime as a center back. Um, I think that's promising. Uh, I do wonder, I've, I've always kind of been curious, um, he and Birnbaum as a partnership, I think there's a little bit of a redundancy there. They, they both kind of play similarly. Uh, Opari is a little faster and a little better at emergency defending. Birnbaum is a little better in the air. Um I mean, Birnbaum's better mathematically, at least, or statistically, at least was better in the air than anyone in the league this year. Um, so there's no shame in being a little Which, behind oh, him in that department. Go ahead. Taking an aside, nobody remembers that. Nobody across the entire like league media, nobody thinks about that. What, Birnbaum's uh, no, Birnbaum was that good in the year. Yeah, no, but nobody's thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, us. I think... We, we, I think DC United offered up so many other stories this year that a lot of things get kind of, you know, put under, um, in a, in a Audi field, Wayne Rooney, Luciano Acosta world, then, you know, P- 
people people were kind of reintroducing themselves to DC United and, and maybe didn't get everything else that was going on. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I think at this price, it's going to be difficult to find better than Opare. Uh, but at the same time, I don't, I don't necessarily want him to be the starter on this team. While I'd no, like an ideal he world, can't, he can't be the starter. I mean, I like him, but we've wanted them to sign somebody at like Briant's number or higher to be Burnbaum's sidekick for years now. And Briant wasn't the guy necessarily, and they're not going to have the money to sign anybody more expensive than Briant uh, next year. But I like Opari, but they got to do, they've got to do something better than that. And, you know, I, I think in an ideal world, what I would like to see is, I don't think badly of Briant, but I think find someone better than him that plays a similar style of player, just better. Um, replace him in the lineup uh, and in the depth chart with the new guy. And Opare is there as as Burnbaum's backup and Jalen Robinson is maybe more the new guy's backup. Um, the player who's maybe more on the ball um, than the player that's the, the you know, Burnbaum-Opare type. Um, that's an ideal world. Um, I'm still holding out hope that DC United does something at center back other than, um, keep the gang together or replace one guy and that's it. And not necessarily get that top line defender that I think, you know, I think this team, if you add, if you keep the midfield and attack roughly the same, you replace Maddox's, uh, role in the team with someone roughly similar and you improve at center back, I think you've got something. I think I don't think this team should settle for at that point making the playoffs and going out early would be a disappointment rather than doing okay. Um I think that becomes a team that can actually contend. Uh but in the meantime, you know, if this is not an ideal world and there's abundant evidence that it is not, um I do I do still find myself thinking that letting Opare go would be a mistake. Um even with his injury, even with um, the fact that maybe it's gotten a little stale. Um, I can understand how he might feel like, all right, um, you know, the one season I broke through as a starter, the team was bad in 2017. Um, They went out and got a guy. They didn't, you know, the team goes out and acquires a TAM level international center back. And you say, okay, they got someone really good. You know, with all due respect to Frederick Briant, they didn't go out and get someone who was like, wow, what an eye-popping signing. They just got a guy from within MLS that was a little more experienced, and that was it. Um, so right. if I'm Opari, I'm starting to think maybe this isn't the place for me anymore. Maybe my time here is up. Um, and he's but, a free agent now, so it's not just DC United's. What DC right. United wants to do anymore. Opari has just as much agency uh, sure. right now um, as the team does. And his situation might not be clarified until his ankle is healed up enough that he can actually play. Because if you're a random international team that's circling MLS looking for free agents to get on the cheap, um, you're not really going to offer a deal to someone that you can't give a trial to and have a look at, and he can't play right now. So um, that complicates things. But the, you know, the question isn't necessarily what he thinks, it's what we think. And in my shoes, I'm going to go with goat, but I'm not necessarily, you know, if, if he's, if this was it for Kofi Opari, I'm not necessarily going to be like, Oh, this is a disaster. It just, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. things don't pan out. Well, and uh, just something that popped, uh, repopped into my head. Uh, He has, yes. Repopped into my head. Uh, 
he has Canadian citizenship, so he may be looking for a starting spot on one of those MLS teams that is very bad at defense, so he can play himself back into the Canadian national team or play himself into the Canadian national team for the first time. So if he does, if he could find a guaranteed starting, not a guaranteed, but if he could find himself, because he, he's not going to find a guaranteed starting spot anywhere, but if he could find himself a better situation at another MLS team than at DC United, he may grasp towards that. Because, I mean, who wouldn't want to play for their national team? And if he can find a better situation to get him closer to the Canadian national team, I wouldn't blame him for taking it. I will say that I don't know. um, He did get Canadian citizenship, I think, this year. um, And Canada's federation is in, I mean, if you think U.S. soccer is bad, um, ask a Canadian how they feel about Canada soccer. but yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting situation that he's in because he doesn't count or he counts as a domestic player no matter which team he plays in an MLS, which is a not not or I guess they changed those rules. Never mind. Um, that happens more often now. Um, but yeah, you might see a team in Canada interested. You could see it doesn't have to be a know, Canadian team, just a, a team where he can get more likely playing time, like a Minnesota, like a Cincinnati, like uh, just anywhere he, where he might get a, uh, have a better chance of playing right. regularly than at DC United, just so he can impress upon the Canadian national team hierarchy to try and get a call up, trying to get a potential uh, start, so that he can prove himself and be a starter for that team. And on that note, we'll move on this one. I think I know the answer on it already. Um, I don't think there's any real negativity towards David Osted, but it's safe to say that I, I don't think he's happy how this year went. I don't think fans are happy with how it went for him. Um, he came in from Vancouver uh, where he fell out of favor fairly bizarrely um, for Stefan Marinovich. Uh, if you remember in the first segment, I brought up a chart uh, that didn't look good for him. One of the only goalkeepers who looked worse on that chart was Stefan Marinovich. So um, good good luck to our Whitecaps friends. Um, it, it's a long ways back, I think. Um, but in any case, Osted came here. It was presumed he would be the starter. He fell out of favor briefly. He fell, um, ended up behind Steve Clark uh, for a couple of games. He won the job back, or maybe Steve Clark lost the job again. Um, but ultimately, United found themselves looking for Bill Hamid or someone equivalent. They found Bill Hamid uh, wanting to come back. And Osted ended up starting exactly half of the games this year. He started 17 games. He gave up 32 goals, which, you know, goals against are definitely a team stat. Um and he played mostly on the road because he started most of the games in the early season. But I still feel like that goals against stat is high given the, the given the shots he faced. I think it should have been better. I think he would tell you it should have been better. Um, I'm landing on a pretty easy Fox here, uh, especially at the price tag. Uh, guys, is there any reason to uh, spend too much time on this one? No, there isn't. I mean, it's going to be a Fox and, DC United's probably going to still have to eat his salary. It, it, even if they move him, they're going to have to eat some of that salary, but you got to do it. I'm, I'm sorry, David Osted. You're, you seem like a lovely guy, but you're not right for this team at this point. So Fox. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's it. Fox. 
the only the only other David Osted thing I have to share is that uh, in a I think one of the first times uh, we had a post game um, after the press conference, you head to the locker room to talk to the players, and I almost fell backwards over a pair of David Osted shoes because I'm clumsy. Um, I did not, and uh, you know I'm sorry, David. Uh, I stepped on your shoes. I didn't mean to. Um, we'll move it along. Wait, did you did you ruin David Osted for this entire season? Uh, he was not playing at the time, so I don't think this is on me. Um, this this was later. I, I will also say that um, he had the unlucky uh, spot, or I guess the locker room spot that he preferred. It was a little unlucky because Wayne Rooney and Luciano Acosta's uh, lockers were close enough to his that the press pack trying to interview those two were always in his way. And so he would come out, you know, he's backup, the backup goalkeeper, so he'd still have done the warm up and everything. So he would hit the showers, come back in a towel and find like 20 people in his path to all of his possessions. Um, and there was a game in which he would just, I didn't see the whole thing, but I would just see his arm reach into my field of vision and he would grab like a shirt and then it would go away. And then he'd grab something else and it would come back. And eventually um, he, he managed to, t- I guess, carry one thing at a time elsewhere in the locker room and change over there and then was eventually on his way. So um, that's life in the locker room. It's, it's, gets weird. Uh, and you might have to, uh, change over a period of five minutes rather than the normal amount of time it takes to dress yourself. Um, we'll move it along now that, now that you've learned about people putting clothes on, uh, to Jalen Robinson, who, uh, ended up playing about his normal amount of time in his, uh, his time with DC. It's always been spot starts for Jalen. Um, this year, I think he had five appearances. Um, once again, the question of whether Ben Olsen trusts him to play center back because of his height, uh, came up, um, fairly repeatedly, but also he didn't really do, uh, too badly with his time. Um, it wasn't that he, he played poorly. It's just a, an issue of size more than anything else. It seems like has always been the thing here. Um, Ben, I'm, I'm going to throw this one to you because I know you have a soft spot for Jalen. What do you think? I do have a soft spot for Jalen, and I think despite his size, I I always want him to get a actual run out. I, I mean, I think that they should, they definitely need to sign more center backs, obviously, at a high quality, but I am also just sad that he's never gotten a real run out and when he's played in the past, when he's played against New York city FC, when he's played uh, in spots starting, he's done well. So I even given his height, I don't, I don't quite understand the hesitance on Ben Olsen's part to not give him a longer run out. I, I think that between him and Kofi Alpare, I don't think there's that much of a difference. So I don't understand the hesitance to give, Jalen Robinson a run out, especially since it seems like he's a better compliment to Steven Birnbaum than Kofi Apari is. I don't know how, what are you, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I agree in the sense that, you know, you, you can't really get a good sense of what he can do until you, until you give him that opportunity to show it. Um, and he doesn't really get those opportunities. I, I'm looking at uh, the article that Rick did, um, for the season review and the fact that he that he's behind like he didn't clear the ball well he doesn't do aerials well because of his height but he is great on the ball 
in, in my opinion. It, it, he's he's just as good on the ball as the other center backs that we have. He's you know good at tackles. Um, he's good at keeping guys in front of him, and he may not be you know checking the right person, but he also doesn't get a lot of opportunities with the first team. Uh, and when I mean the first team, I mean the the first you know the the, the first guys starting. Uh, at center back or, or on defense or on, at the midfield, it's usually when we're putting out a you know a second ragtag group because we're shorthanded due to international duty and injuries, um, like we were at NYCFC. So I want to see him get a shot, um, a, a true shot, and for that I'll give him a go. Yeah, I, I think I think this one is an easy goat for me. I, I don't know that his role is ever going to change with DC. Um, I will once again bring up. The uh, idea that I've had for years now, which is that he might be better as a defensive midfielder than he is as a center back. Um, That doesn't really help him get minutes on DC United, though. We've already talked about the defensive midfield. Um, But I I do. I think there's always going to be a place for him. Um, The fact that he can fill in it right back, um, that he's been able to fill in in these, you know, spot starts at center back and still come through. Uh, pretty decently. The fact that he doesn't cost the team very much money at all. Um, I think uh, he's a smart guy. Uh, I think he he seems to be a big uh, kind of one of those guys that's the kind of the glue of the locker room. Um, I know uh, when Acosta got here, he said that of the non-native Spanish speakers that Robinson's Spanish was the best. I think he it was like, yeah, Robinson's like the one guy that can speak Spanish uh, well enough that he can be uh, having a real conversation. Um, I think those things are important. Um, they're small things, but they're kind of a big deal. It, it seems like whenever you see the players doing social gatherings, there's not really a group that Robinson doesn't fit in with. Uh, he seems to be comfortable with just about everyone on the team. Um, so, uh, off the field, I think he's the kind of player that, you know, when you think about homegrown players, yeah, everyone wants a homegrown superstar, but a lot of times this model of, uh, you know, a guy who's maybe third or fourth in the depth chart at a position, but he's a really good guy as far as uh, off the field goes. And you, he, you know, he's not going to chafe too much at the sporadic playing time. Um, that's important too. Um, and the fact that he can fill that in, uh, inexpensively and still, you know, really take some pride in the organization. I think that means a lot. So for me, it's, it's, it's a pretty easy goat, uh, with, with Galen Robinson. Also congratulations to him for, uh, getting his degree. He just, uh, did that. I think what last week, a couple weeks ago. Um, so that's pretty cool because, you know, it can be tough. He's got a lot of other stuff going on he's still trying to, uh, finish up his degree from he, he finished it at UMBC. He was at Wake uh, for college um, for college soccer. Um, so that's a that's an achievement in and of itself. Um, Respect the Terriers. Yeah, uh, the greatest uh, social media feed in college sports. I think that's fair yep. to say. Um, the 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 unmatched uh, peers as far as uh, being on Twitter goes. Which you know anyone that's good at online, I gotta respect that. Um, Jason never logs yeah. off, so no, never should anyone else. Exactly. Well, Adam logged off, and look what happened to him. Uh, goats. Adam, if you're still listening, uh, goats. There you go. <laughs> That's what you get. Um, we'll move it along now to someone that you know didn't didn't get a lot of uh, talk, didn't get a lot of hype. Uh, no one really thought about him too much. Uh, 
DC took a flyer on this guy, Wayne Rooney. Um, apparently he had played a bunch in England. Um, and uh, it, turned, it turned out to be kind of a big deal uh, that they did. Um, look, I think we can dispense with the too much mystery over the goat or fox side of this. I think all three of us are in agreement on goat. Is that is that fair? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So I'm going to go on record here. Um, I want to know who voted no on the poll. I just want to know, like, it, I, I don't want to kill you. No, we um, do want to kill you. No, 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 no. I don't want to yes, kill you. Do. I just I do. don't want you to be alive anymore. Um, <laughs> who did it? Like, no, for real. Show yourself. If you, if, I, I need you to just, coming just come you. out and say hello. Just say, hey, it was me. So we can we'll decide how you're going to die. <laughs> My legal advice is to not talk about whether you want someone to be dead or not. Um, that's just that's just what happens. Legally, uh, we're not saying you're going to be dead, but <laughs> I'm just saying I, I want. Yeah, I just, I don't get what I want in life all the time. That's true. Sometimes I do. Um. Yeah. Uh. Wayne Rooney came in. Um. For about five million in transfer uh, fee, we're talking about five million salary wise. Uh, okay, by far, our money. Yeah, but you know, by far, you know the biggest uh, expenditure DC United had ever laid out for a single player Um, by far the biggest world superstar to ever suit up for DC. Um, The talk at the time of the signing was, you know, there was the Hercules Gomez wing who would say, yeah, you sign Wayne Rooney. He's really good. What what is the problem here? Um, This is good, right? This is an unambiguous uh, good thing that they've done. And then there were folks like I know I, I was aligned in this group that had some questions. Uh, mostly my question was not about his commitment or his ability. It was how much can he actually do at this age, having played uh, professional soccer since he was 16 in the English Premier League. It's not like he was playing in, in 1975. Well, it's, you know, it's not that. And, and it's not like he was playing in a low pressure league that doesn't necessarily um play these high octane games all the time. I mean, the premier league gets everyone's stomping in the gas. No one stomps the break. Um, everyone's trying to attack and run back and forth, uh, all game long. Um, it's England. So there's this gigantic, uh, pressure from the tabloids, from the fans. Um, and then when he had downtime, he was playing for England's national team, which is the only thing that could be more high pressure. Um, so yeah, I, I wondered, how much was left in the legs uh, at that point he showed up and immediately looked like it was the easiest thing in the world to be really good at soccer. Um, that appearance that he had against Vancouver where, you know, he only got the assist, but it just looked like um, the simplest thing in the world. It was just like, Oh yeah, of course. Uh, what, what's the problem here? Uh, uh, you know, you get the ball, you pass it real quick, you take one touch and it's, it's gone. What's the, this is like, this is the sport, you know, what, this is what we do. Um, it just looked like somebody who is doing things on a completely different level from everyone else, just showing up and be like, Oh, can I play? Um, which was awesome. And it turned out that that was like the floor rather than the ceiling because he ended up going on to post 12 goals and seven assists in 20 games. Um, he, put up some of the best plays we've seen in a decade for DC United. Um, He unlocked Luciano Acosta's potential almost single-handedly. Everyone in the locker room seems to love him. There's no ego there. There's no, this isn't a, um, 
Grant Wall's Beckham experiment where we have David Beckham clashing with his teammates because he doesn't understand them. Um, or the and Rooney, experiment. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, Rooney would have every right to not understand a bunch of MLS guys making um, in a year what he makes in about three days um, who have never lived his life. They've never endured the pressure he's been under. They've never played at a level he he plays he has played at. Um, and instead he was like, no, 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 I have to understand these guys. That's important. Um, you know, all the little things were checked off. All the big things were checked off. Um, I, I feel like, you know, this almost couldn't have gone better really. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I will say that when, when the signing was rumored, um, and then when it finally happened, you know, I was one of those guys that was all in. Um, I was like, this is a guy that's going to bring new fans in is going to be a guy that could help the team. He still has some juice left in the tank. I am one of those, also one of those guys that's kind of unique in the sense that I don't have an EPL team, um, Mm -hmm. that I root for on Saturdays and Sundays. So I don't have the bias that a lot of people do. And I feel like a lot of the negative stuff, I won't say all of it, but a lot of it was coming from people who had some of those biases in mind when they were talking about how much he's played i mean yeah you guys are right he's he transcends the epl he's one of the he's one of the more visible players that the game has ever seen um and i i I go back to that very first intro uh graphic or video that dc united did where he said hey dc let's get to work um and other guys you've seen come to mls don't do that uh you see you know, Pirlo and Lampard come and and I would even say they moved well enough to collect a check. Um, like if someone were to hand it to him, I don't think they would have moved any faster than they did on the field to collect said check. Um, but Wayne Rooney, he he not only bought into the team, he bought into the players, he bought into the fact that he was he wanted to be one of the guys and not the guy, and his let his play make him the man. You know what I'm saying? So um that is something that I think everyone came away impressed with the fact that he's sitting and coach and, and rooming with players when they gave him the option to do what he was used to, you know, rooming by himself, being in first class. He said, I want to be a part of the team. I don't want to be above the team. I want to be Wayne Rooney, a member of DC United. And I think that is what allowed the players to get to know him. I think that's what t- switched the locker room into high gear and really allowed these guys to say, Hey, I see what this, what this Wayne Rooney guy is doing as far as the motors concerned, his approach to the game, his training, how he approaches everything. And that's what made our team better. That's why I think he was the MVP of the league because no, nobody did that. And it like he did. And also the fact is it was evident the moment he stepped on the field that he was the best player on the field, no matter who was playing. And, you know, we played, you know, we, we beat the two teams that made the MLS cup final badly with him on the field. Um, so, it, it, and it was, it was no doubt on my mind that he was that guy. So I'm really looking forward to a full season with him. Now I will say sarcastically that his, his cap number is going to be a little big, you know, <laughs> his 2.8 million was prorated. So it's probably going to be what five, 6 million. So right. um, yeah, whatever it's, it, a deep it's worth it. He's worth every penny. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is, is Wayne Rooney really, bought into this franchise and in turn this franchise bought into him. That's what this turnaround was about. And I think that's why we all have, you know, really, you know, 
nice expectations for next year. And we're kind of looking forward to the season starting for once. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll leave it with Rooney here. Um, how large of a goat are we talking about giving him in this instance? I think One that a, will, go ahead. Uh, a mountain goat, a, a, a goat that you would sacrifice to your family that you would like try and feed your family for, uh, a large holiday. I, th- I think that's the kind of goat we're looking at here. Um, the goat I'm looking at is one that's big enough to haunt Adam's dreams nightly. I mean, okay. that big, it's gotta be a big goat. Uh, I personally, I was thinking more in line of like the, the stay puff marshmallow man, but a goat, um, <laughs> Which I think fits into what Donald's talking about. I think it's maybe slightly larger than than the goat. Ben's thinking about a real life goat. Yeah, I was, th- <laughs> I was thinking about an actual goat. But I mean, if we're just talking about fantastical goats, then we were talking about Alice in Wonderland type goats. Then maybe a goat the size of the Statue of Liberty. Okay. <laughs> Give me your tired, your poor, your goatly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well. We move on now. Uh, we're almost at the end of our list. Uh, we're probably coming in pretty long, but there's not really much we can do about that. Um, the next man up, Ulysses Segura. We've talked about him a couple times in this episode uh, as relating to other players. Uh, Segura came in from uh, Saprissa. He had played for the national team uh, a bunch of times. Um, I think he was on 25 or so caps when he got here, something like that. Um a sort of a utility man in the midfield, um, a player that initially United thought would play as a central midfielder. Over time, it became clear that that was not the best place for him in the world, uh, but he ended up bouncing back uh, and finding a place on the wing where he was pretty consistently in the rotation for Ben Olsen. Uh, he, he had a few, you know, maybe just before the midpoint of the season, he was out for a little bit, but by and large, he was a, a regular, maybe not a regular starter, but definitely a regular in the lineup. Um, ben, I know you wrote about him very recently. Uh, what did you think of him this year? Yeah, I am uh, definitely all in on goat on Ulysses Segura. I think he is a. I think he is the next generation of Nick DeLeon. I think he is uh, one of the strongest players physically on DC United. I think he has good speed over a short distance that a lot of players don't on this team. And I, and like we've said before, he can play any position across the midfield. He can do anything Ben Olsen wants him to do. And that physical, that physicality, that, uh, uh, that all that motor is just something that Ben Olsen always wants in a player on this team. So I don't see him as a day in and day out starter on this team, but he has a role on this team every week and if he needs to be a spot starter that's fine if he is always just coming off the bench in the 70th minute that's that's fine too because he does a lot for this team he uh he commits to this team and i think he is the next version of the standard i think he's the next back in the day it was stephen king and stephen king is he would not make a roster for any team these days. And the standard has uh, upgraded itself every year for this team. And I think for a while it has been Nick DeLeon and I still love Nick DeLeon. We've talked a lot about Nick DeLeon, but 
I think at least for the 18 for this team, I think it might be Ulysses Segura. I think that might be where the standard for a player that is on the roster that is a, a not a starter for this team, but makes the roster every day. That's where the standard is, and that's where it should be because we need to set our sights higher and higher. So all that to say, I think Ulysses Segura needs to have a place on this team. He only makes 136K this year, and I think that's a great number for what he does. So goat, 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 goat for Ulysses Segura. Donald? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I especially like the fact that he is so versatile in the midfield. He can play any position. He's not the best at any position, but he's a great, you know, fill in or backup or even, uh, you know, emergency starter at any of those positions. And uh, I think that versatility is something that this roster desperately needs as we're looking to, you know, kind of fill in some of that depth. We need guys who are able to play positions in the case of injury, which we seem to, you know, go through every year um, in the midfield. So um, goat for me, goat, goat, goat for me. Yeah, I, 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 while I will say that Segura isn't the best, the most technical player, um, his decision-making can leave something on the table. I do like his game. I like the fact that there's a physicality there that you don't necessarily see a lot of. Um, in MLS, we tend to think uh, physical players belong in the back four as a target man or as a defensive midfielder, and he's more um, playing physical but wide. He's not really a target winger. This isn't like a CJ Sapong on the wing situation. He's more just um, a high-energy guy that's always mixing it up. He's always making life difficult for the fullback. If he if he slashes across, a center back isn't necessarily just going to outmuscle him. Um, and I think that stuff, it, it means a lot. It's a nice contrast on a team that is looking mostly to play one and two touch, very pretty stuff. Um, it's nice to have that option of saying like, you know, the other team is dealing with the intricate passing stuff. They're, they're comfortable with it. They're, they're able to, to shut us down a little bit. Let's throw them this curveball by bringing in this guy. That's going to get physical. That's going to um, win some shoulder to shoulder challenges and win some 50, 50 balls. Um, I think if DC wants to be more high, a high pressure team, I think that's also something Segura would be good at um, in a full-time setup like that. Um, and he does it without really committing a lot of fouls. He, I'm looking at his um, profile on MLS soccer and it's, he got, he had 15 fouls committed in 1200 or almost 1300 minutes. He only got one yellow card all season. Um, so he's able to find that line between playing physical, but not being in trouble and not, giving away a bunch of dumb fouls and getting himself in, in trouble that way. Um, again, another player that doesn't cost a lot um, that seems very happy to be here. Um, uh, his off season routine appears to just be immediately about um, keeping himself fit and ready to go. It, it almost seems like he's the kind of guy that's like, why are we having an off season? We could just keep playing, um, which is a, you know, a good attitude to have. And, and again, someone that, if you're good enough to play on the Costa Rican national team, there's probably should be a spot for you in the game day 18 in MLS. So um, yeah, I like, you know, the role that, that you guys have outlined. Um, I think that makes sense. I, I don't think he should be starting uh, full time. Um, I think it, it's a problem if Rodriguez comes here and can't displace Segura. Um, on the other hand, if, if uh, Segura shows up in preseason and makes it extremely difficult to win that job, then, 
you know, good for him. Um, but I think having a player like him, I think every team in MLS needs a couple guys like Segura uh, somewhere in their 18 because you're always going to find a role for someone like him. So for me, uh, just like you guys, I, I think this is an easy goat. And we'll finish up with maybe a, a complicated one. We've talked about him as well, much like Segura. We've talked about uh, Zoltan Stieber a few times in this episode. Um, obviously, one of the most technically talented players on the team, um, someone with great experience uh, in the early part of the season. He showed a wonderful understanding of where Darren Maddox was going to be. Um, but as the season went on, uh, the team changed. Maddox was no longer the starter. Um, Stieber was pretty much first choice for quite a while, but then from early September on saw his minutes really dry up. He made four appearances in the final nine or 10 games for DC. Um, I think there was something that we reported from the press box, which was that um, he was set to come in as a substitute and then Olsen changed his mind and uh, brought someone else in and then had to have a little chat with, with Stieber to, to, you know, because at that point, if you're, Steve, you're thinking, okay, it's been a few games and I haven't played and now I'm finally going to get in and now all the rugs pulled out from under me. Um, that can be tough to take. It did not seem like he was angry about the situation, but he definitely cut a fairly frustrated figure. Um, and at the salary that Donald mentioned before, four cents under a million dollars, uh, you are expecting a guy that can put Segura on the bench at the very least. And when that opportunity was there, he wasn't able to do it. Um, so, Donald, I'll come back to you on this one. What do you think about Zoltan? Are you thinking uh, Goat or Fox? Um, it's complicated, and and for all the reasons that you mentioned, I think in the end, do I want Zoltan Steber the player back? Yes, I think that's a goat. I think it's a fox on his contract. Um, I think if he comes back, he's going to have to come back at a much reduced salary, which, um, as you mentioned, he may not want to do. Um, he, he still has the pedigree to play. I mean, he's on the Hungarian national team. He gets called up pretty regularly at this point and is 30 years old, still, you know, in the middle of his prime. And I think that he can do well, um, being a starter anywhere. Um, it's just that here he isn't that guy. Um, and and that's not kind of the, in the lineup that Ben Olsen prefers or has preferred over the last, you know, few months. He's not part of that. So uh, I would, I still think there's a spot for him on this team um, to kind of round out depth and, and really to be a, a surefire super sub. Um, and maybe he gets that playing time that he needs to, to perform well and, and, as you say, replace Segura in the lineup. But um, I think as far as the, the salary number, uh, I think that's a Fox. And I think that's if he's going to come back, he's going to have to come back at a much lower salary. Ben, where are you laying on this one? Yeah, I think I'm doing a Fox too. Cause I like Zoltan a lot, but that number just, they can't, they can't sustain that number with all the players they want to bring in. And with the, with the position that they want him to be in, you can't have a backup at a million dollars a year. You just can't do it in MLS. Even with the cap expanding, you just can't do it. So, I like Sultan a lot, and if he was here for two fifty, great, that'd be awesome. Uh, but I can't expect him to take two fifty. Why would he take two fifty? There's no reason for him to take that. So I think 
for him and for the team together. I think it's better for him to move on. And so I'm, I'm going with Fox. Yeah. I, I think I have to agree for the financial reasons. Um, as long as this team is talking about three designated players, a TAM player in Rodriguez, a TAM player in Yamil Assad in a deal that is apparently quite complicated. Um, we know that they'd have to amortize his the transfer fees so he's not the fourth designated player, so they don't run into the whole reason Assad didn't stick with Atlanta. Um, so yeah, you've got a lot of money. You've also got to find a... Um, striker to be Rooney's backup. And that's not someone that you can get for 90,000. You're going to have to spend some money there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really difficult to find a, an avenue in which they could keep him and also have a workable um, salary budget. You know, it's one thing if MLS announced that you just had an extra million dollars under the cap, um, but they aren't going to do that. You can't use um discretionary TAM to pay down a salary. It has to be for a transfer. So Stieber's not eligible for that. Um, so there's just not, or at least that I know of, there's not an apparent way to get him uh, in the fold. Um, and and I also wonder how much he wants to be here, not because he's uncommitted to the team, but because I think he sees his role. And, you know, if we were at this point in the off season and DC were spending this, uh, the same amount of money on Rodriguez as they, if they were spending that on a right back, then it, um, if I'm Steber, I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, Ariola, Assad and Segura, you know, if I beat Segura, then fine, I'm third in the rotation, but I'm going to play every game. Maybe I can deal with that. But if you're saying that Ariola is still here, Assad's coming back, they're bringing in a new guy and Segura is still here. Then at that point you have to kind of accept that the writing's on the wall and then that the team is moving on from you. So there's not really, um, there's not really a lot to be said. Um, so, you know, I think the pressure is on, um, assuming Rodriguez, assuming that deal goes through the pressure is on for him to replace, um, what Stieber brings to the table, which is not insignificant. Um, a very good player on set pieces, uh, really good from long distance, good at playing the ball over, um, you know, long crosses, uh, switching the point of attack. Um, and also someone that's creative in those tight spaces at the top of the box as well. So there's a lot there that I like his style of play. I just think that DC has loaded up at that position and they can't afford another guy making roughly a million dollars, but we'll round up and give him the million. Um, yeah, I, I think it has to be Fox. I'm, I don't like it, but that's the way it has to be. There's not really, I don't see a way to keep him around with the other guys all on the team as well. And on that note, that's all we got. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to get to uh, before we shut this one down? Nothing here. Not for me. All right. Uh, that's our show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at filibuster dcu um if you need to email us something whether it's a request or a question or what have you uh filibuster podcast at gmail.com uh you can find us on uh, our own personal twitter accounts i think we tweeted donald's out already so i'm not gonna i i'll say go find it on on our 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 uh, our own twitter uh and that'll make you go do it and that will give us the precious online engagement that sustains us in in this life um Please rate us on, what is it, iTunes and various other 
podcast Apple podcasts Apple Podcasts. There you go. Um, give us a rating regardless. I'm not going to tell you what you should rate us. Uh, I think we're putting in a five star product, but maybe you don't. I don't know. Um, give us a rating. Uh, tell your friends uh, that you like the show or, you know, tell them they should listen to it. Even if you don't, I, I, I we just want more people to listen. I, if you don't like the show, still spread the word. Um, if you do like the show, it's probably going to be more effective though. I, I will say it's, it's easier to sell someone on something that you actually like rather than something you dislike. Um, and on that confusing note, uh, I'm going to stop and, uh, that's it. Say good night, Ben. Good night, Jason.